Guardian Unlimited. Question to the Prime Minister, Daniel Kapskinski. Yeah. Question number one, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, with your permission, before listing my engagements, the whole country will welcome the news that Alan Johnson, yeah. a fearless journalist whose voice was silenced for too long, is now free. And I want to thank all those who contributed to the diplomatic and other efforts to secure his freedom. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I will have further such meetings today. I'd like to congratulate the Prime Minister on becoming the leader of our country. He said that... Uh, He said that uh, he would, unlike his predecessor, listen to the people of our country. With that in mind, can I inform him that the great men and women of Shrewsbury have spoken and they have voted overwhelmingly against unitary authority status for Shropshire. Four out of the five district councils are against it, as am I and my honourable member for Ludlow. Will he listen to the people of Shrewsbury and please not impose this ghastly unitary authority status on us? Mr. Speaker, of course, uh, of course we will uh, listen. As I understand it, uh, Shropshire County Council, a Tory council, proposed these measures. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do also understand that his local council at Shrewsbury is against these measures. Uh, I understand they've taken judicial action uh, to try and have a review of these measures. Of course, I cannot comment on the judicial action. Uh, but the Minister for Local Government or I will be pleased to meet him after that action to discuss the next step forward. Will, will the Prime Minister press the international community to develop financial instruments for the protection of tropical forests to make sure that the 20% of greenhouse gas emissions that are going up into the atmosphere from the destruction of those forests does not continue? Mr. Speaker, can, can I thank uh, the Honourable Member for the work that he did as a Minister in this Government? Can I thank the Honourable Member for the work that he did as a Minister in this Government to, de to deal with the, the issues of uh, tropical forests? And can I welcome the fact that he is now going to take a major interest in trying to make sure that the tropical forest uh, in the Congo Basin is reforested, uh, that jobs are protected, that livelihoods are ensured? and that the £50 million investment that we are supervising for that forest actually, actually takes place. Uh, and let me congratulate him on becoming a special envoy for the government in this task. First of all, I agree with the Prime Minister about Alan Johnson. It is fantastic news that he is on his way back to his family. Recent attempts to cause massive loss of life in London and in Glasgow remind us of the very real threat that we face in this country. There are a number of measures that we believe would make a difference. First, we support the use of telephone tap evidence in court so we don't just catch these people, we convict them and lock them up. Six weeks ago, the government agreed to our proposal for a Privy Council review of this issue. Can the Prime Minister tell us how soon it will publish the names, when will this meet and when will it report? I, I'm grateful to the right honourable gentleman. I hope that right across the House, as right across the country, there can be unity in our determination to fight terrorism. And I want to uh, remind people just how brave and courageous were the explosive experts in London and were those people who tackled uh, the terrorist uh, activity that happened at Glasgow Airport 
and I hope that we can continue on an all-party basis to agree measures that are necessary in this country to deal with the terrorist threat. On the specific question of intercept, I can tell him that we will go ahead with our investigation, carried out on Privy Council terms, and of course I will consult him and the leader of the Liberal Party on the names of the people that will conduct that investigation. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, I hope we can make progress. It is a complicated issue, but it isn't complicated setting up a committee, and that should happen without any delay. Second, we need to act against groups which are seeking to radicalise young people. Almost two years ago, the government said that it would ban the extremist group Hizbut Tahrir. We think it should be banned. Why hasn't it happened? Of course, in all these uh, uh, details, and I have had to deal with this at the Treasury when we're dealing with terrorist finance, you have to have evidence to do so. And it's precisely to examine the evidence uh, that we instruct a number of investigations. Let me tell them what we will do. We'll expand the watch list, which is the cooperation right across the world, from Europe to the Arab states, of potential terrorists so that we list them in such a way that authorities in different countries can be warned. We'll expand the background checks that are being done where there are highly skilled migrant workers coming into this country, where people sponsor them. We will ask them to give us their background checks. Uh, thirdly, as a result of what has happened in the National Health Service, I've asked uh, Lord West, the new Terrorism Minister, to conduct an immediate review uh, as to what arrangements we must make in relation to recruitment to the NHS because of what we know has happened over the last few days. Uh, and finally, of course, uh, we will want to sign new agreements with other countries around the world so that we act together uh, to deal with the potential terrorist threat and we are able to deport people uh, to countries where they should be rather than in this country. And I hope, again, that there can be all-party agreement for the, measures, yes, for the measures that we are taking to ensure both the security of British citizens and to work with other countries in the fight against terror. Thank you. I mean, very interesting answer, but I asked a very specific question. The Prime Minister said we need evidence about Hizbut Tahrir. This organisation says, and I quote, Jews should be killed wherever they are found. What more evidence do we need before we ban this organisation? It is poisoning the minds of young people. Two years ago, the government said it should be banned. I ask again, when will this be done? Yeah. Yeah, we can ban it under the Prevention of Terrorism Act. And of course, of course, of course... Uh, I think, I think uh, the uh, Leader of the Opposition forgets I've been in this job for five days. I, th I think the... Let the Prime Minister answer. Let the Prime Minister answer. I think... I, think, um, I, have agreed, I have agreed that we will look at this, this issue, but we need evidence, and the evidence can't be just one or two quotes. What we must do is look in detail at the evidence, and I hope he will, I hope he will agree with me that we approach these things in a sustained way and in a calm way and we do not jump to conclusions, we look at all the evidence. And that is the basis, and that is the basis Mr. Speaker, on which this government will proceed. But there have been two years of a lapse since the government said it would ban this organisation. I think people will find it hard to understand why an organisation that urges people to kill Jews hasn't been banned. Now, as well as preventing radicalisation and stopping future dangers, we need to protect ourselves against present dangers. Does the Prime Minister agree that the time has now come for a national border police force? Well, I, I, I am uh, prepared to look at this. Uh, and I have, uh, of course, when I've been Chancellor of the Exchequer, looked at how the Customs and Excise Authorities can work better with the police to secure border arrangements. But I have to say to him that everybody who looks at this issue, including Lord Stevens, who looked at this issue for him, 
has concluded that complementary to a border police force is the need for identity cards. And it is his party that continues... It is, it is his party that continues to oppose identity cards. And I may say that the new terrorism uh, shadow minister that he has appointed only a few days ago, Lady Neville Jones, has also said that complementary to the other measures that are necessary to protect our borders are identity cards. And I hope again, in the spirit of bipartisan cooperation, that he'll reconsider his views on the need to introduce identity cards. If he wants to trade quotes on identity cards, perhaps he'll try this one from his Chancellor of the Exchequer. Identity cards are unnecessary and will create more difficulties than they will solve. I do not want, I do not want my whole life to be reduced to a magnetic strip on a plastic card. Identity cards, identity cards did not stop the Madrid bombings. After the 7th of July bombings, the then Home Secretary said they wouldn't have helped in the UK. They wouldn't come in for years. They'd cost billions of pounds, money that should be spent on things like a border police. Now, let me, let me come back again on the border police. The Home Affairs Select Committee supported a border police. The current Metropolitan Police Commissioner supports a border police. And Lord Stevens, as he said, is conducting a review for us now on the need for a border police, which he fully supports. The Prime Minister has said he's open to this suggestion. Will he tell us exactly what he will do and when he'll make an announcement about a national border police force? Well, first of all, I may say to him that comments that are made about identity cards in the past have got to take into account what is actually happening now. <laughs> and and it, it, is, it, is because, it is because the situation has changed that more and more people have come to the view that is taken by his security expert and taken by Lord Stevens that we need identity cards. And I know that there are many people on the Conservative backbenches who believe exactly the same as we do. As, as, for, as, for, as for the border police, I've said I will look at this issue. We have brought customs and excise and the other authorities together to work in closer cooperation already. I have to look at that in the context of the finance that is available and in the context of other measures that we are taking, including electronic borders, to step up security. But I can assure him that this government will ensure that the security of the British people is protected and we will take all measures that are necessary for the safety of the British people. And again, I hope, uh, Mr Speaker, that there will be bipartisan cooperation on these issues so that we can show the world that Britain, Britain is protected against terrorism. Jim Sheridan. Mr Speaker. The Honourable Gentleman. The Honourable Gentleman. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Convicting terrorists by using phone taps, banning the extremists that radicalise young people in our country, and vitally securing our borders, aren't these three of the practical steps that are absolutely vital parts of the unity that the Prime Minister needs to build so that we can all ensure the terrorists will never win? And, and I, ha I, have to, I have to say to him that we can cooperate on the issues ahead, but he has got to look at the policies that he has been putting forward and examine whether these are the right things for this time as well. And I also have to make a point to him that unfunded change is no change at all. If he is not prepared to support, with financial resources, the policing, the law and order, and all the public services that are necessary, then, 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 then we will not be able to agree on the way, the way, the way, the way, the way forward. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, in the light of the events of the last few days, I do hope 
that the country can come together and agree these measures. I've offered uh, conversations with him on a number of issues, including the intercept, and on other issues we are prepared to cooperate not only with the leader of the opposition, but with the other parties. It is vitally important that the message is sent out to the rest of the world that we will, strong, we will stand strong, steadfast and united in the face of terror. Mr Speaker, the dust, the dust is hardly settled at Glasgow Airport and already there are some siren voices in Scotland seeking to div uh, divide our investigative and inquiry teams. Could I therefore ask my honourable friend if he can assure the House that any uh, terrorism in, in this country is a British problem that requires a British solution? Yes. Yeah. I, I agree. And let, let me also add uh, my uh, thanks for the work that was done at Glasgow Airport. Not only uh, did a number of uh, people who were employees at Glasgow Airport uh, come to the, the rescue and take action against those people who were later arrested, but the airport came back to normal within 24 hours as a result of the determination of the British people to send out a message that terrorism will not disrupt our way of life. So I'll take on board the comments that he's made. Dominguez Campbell. Yeah. Like everyone else, Mr. Speaker, I'm delighted that the release of Mr. Alan Johnson, I'm sure I'm not the only one who was impressed by his remarkable dignity and composure when being interviewed this morning. The Prime Minister entered number 10 Downing Street with a promise of change. Will he now set a target for the withdrawal of British troops from Iraq? Will he order the reopening of the investigation into the allegations of corruption in relation to arms sales? And will he renegotiate the one-sided extradition treaty with the United States? Well, 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 as I said yesterday, my door is always open to the right honourable gentleman. But on these, but, 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 but on these, um, on these, um, on these issues, let, let me tell him this: it would be wrong to set a timetable at this stage. What we have done is reduce the number of troops from 44,000 to 5,500. What we have also done is move from combat to overwatch in three provinces of Iraq. What we await is a decision to move to overwatch in the fourth province of Basra. But we have obligations that we have accepted to both the United Nations and to the Iraqi government, and we are not going to break these obligations at this stage. As far as his two other questions, I've made it clear that the decisions about prosecution are a matter not for the Prime Minister or for the government, and as far as the extradition treaty to the United States, this is a matter for continuing discussion. Campbell. Well, when I look at his door, it's more perhaps of a trap door than anything else. Not much evidence of change there. Will the government now abandon its headlong rush towards a new generation of nuclear power stations? Will the government undertake to tax pollution more than earnings? And finally, will the government abolish the unfair and regressive council tax? Surely, surely, Mr. Speaker, surely, Mr. Speaker, the events of the last year should make it clear to everyone that we cannot rely on an energy policy that makes us wholly dependent on one or two countries or one or two regions around the world. And that is why we have made the decision that we will continue with nuclear power, and that is why the security of our energy supply is best safeguarded by building a new generation of nuclear 
part stations. And as far as the council tax is concerned, let me tell him that he got very little support when he went to the electorate for his policy of local income tax. John Reid. Can I, uh, Mr. Speaker? Can I, can I first of all uh, congratulate my right honourable friend for taking on the stewardship of this country and commend the cool and steadfast way which he and the new Home Secretary have handled the difficult circumstances. In relation to the question of the Leader of the Opposition, can I confirm uh, what the, uh, the, the Prime Minister said, that we have recently carried out two reviews over his victoria, and, and, we, and we have decided that there is not sufficient evidence, and can I therefore ask him to stay absolutely on the course he set today, and to stick by the law and the evidence and not by any arbitrary political advantage which he yes. thinks may be gained. Can I tell him can I tell him can I tell him that nothing order, order. as the honourable gentleman could just be very brief now. Order. Nothing would be nothing would be more politically disadvantageous than taking a case without evidence and losing it it would confirm all of the accusations made against us. Well done. Let, let, let me thank my right honourable friend for the work that he did as Home Secretary, in particular the work he did in setting up our new arrangements for dealing with uh, terrorism. I have to agree with him. However distasteful remarks that are made by organisations are, we must proceed on the basis of, of evidence and we must work within the law. And I have to say to this House that there will be no panic reactions on the part of a government like ours. We will work in a strong and steadfast manner, working within the law. Rob Wilson. Prime Minister, why is Secretary of State for Defence now considered a part-time job? The Secretary of State for Defence is doing a full-time job. And the Secretary of State for Defence... Mr. Speaker, someone pointed, out, someone, pointed out, someone pointed out to me the Honourable Gentleman's website this morning. It says, it says it, uh, let the Prime Minister answer. They don't want me to tell them that his website says Conservatives must be relentlessly positive. Mr. Speaker, Order. Mr. Wilson wants to hear the answer, and so do I. Mr. Speaker, the defence the defence secretary is working with our troops in Afghanistan and in Iraq. He's working with. He's, work, he's working to draw up the defence estimates for the future, and he, and he is doing a magnificent job on behalf of this country. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Will my, will my right honourable friend extend his praise to the Year Five boys at Middlethorpe Primary School in Cleethorpes for their wonderful Bully Buster initiative? And will he tell the boys at that school what his government will be doing to ensure local councils and organisations like Childline are well funded to tackle bullying in our schools today? Let, let me thank my honourable friend for the work that she is doing in her Cleethorpe constituency. Uh, and the work that is being done by the Beat Bullying Campaign. 
I was very fortunate to attend with Kelly Holmes at the launch of the Anti-Bullying Week, and I'm very grateful to all the organisations that are trying to stamp out bullying, not just within schools, but outside schools, and all the teachers and all the parents that are involved in this. And it's a measure of the importance we attach to every child having a decent childhood that we will extend the funds that are available to Childline. The Secretary for Schools is announcing today that there will be a 30 million budget for Childline over the next two years, and that will enable it to improve its services both to young people affected by bullying and to all children who need the services of that Childline. And they do need it, and it is a great service. When EDS agreed to pay £71 million, million pounds in compensation to customs and excise, uh, £44 million was up front with a further £26.5 million in staged payments. But at the present rate of progress, it would take 106 years for the Exchequer to receive the money it is due. Does the Prime Minister think that's a satisfactory rate of progress? And if not, what's he going to do to get the money that's owed to the taxpayer? Yeah. Mr. Speaker, we're talking about a commercial arrangement between a firm and the government, a commercial arrangement that was then renegotiated. The Public Accounts Committee and any other organisation is welcome to look at it, but I am satisfied that we've done what is right in the public interest. Christine Russell. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I tell my right honourable friend that the 5,000 families in housing need in the City of Chester have welcomed his announcement that the provision of affordable housing will be a key priority for his government. Can I ask him today what message he has to those Tory councillors in Chester who are trying to block the development of homes for local people on the site of an old Victorian psychiatric hospital that has been in the local plan. I think the Prime Minister can answer. You'll manage an answer. Mr Speaker, it is right that we now build more houses in this country. It is also right that we seek to make housing affordable for thousands of people who cannot at the moment afford housing because of house prices. That means that we will have that means we will have to build more houses, and that means that local authorities, including Conservative local authorities, will have to look at how they can release land to be able to do so. And that's why, Mr Speaker, I'm disappointed that the new housing, shadow housing minister on the part of the Conservative Party has, has said you cannot build your way out of a housing crisis. We need, we, we need to build more. And I hope again there will be all party support. May I express my sadness at the recent deaths in Iraq and Afghanistan, including Private Kennedy, who was from my constituency. The Prime Minister will no doubt be aware of my constituent, Stephen Johnson, who spent 10 years in prison for murder before his conviction was quashed last year. Since then, Stephen has received no specialist professional psychological support and very poor aftercare in general. The guilty are treated better. Yeah. Will the Prime Minister investigate the specialist support provided to these victims to ensure they are given every chance to live as normal a life as possible? Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful to the Honourable Member who uh, is in the neighbouring constituency to mine. Uh, but but I, have to, I have to say to him, the conviction is a matter for the Scottish uh, courts. Any, comp any compensation would have to come from the Scottish judicial system. As far as, 
As far as the services available to individuals uh, who need either special uh, care or special attention, I shall look at the points that he made. Speaker, does my right honourable friend agree that the, uh, in order to tackle terrorism, we need the Muslim community to provide strong leadership from within that community? And will he also agree that the experience of Northern Ireland bears out very strongly his belief that we need a bipartisan approach if we're going to succeed in, this, in, in resolving these problems? I'm grateful to my honourable friend, who is also a member of the Intelligence and Security Committee and has great experience as a former minister in, uh, in, in Northern Ireland, and he is absolutely right that all sections of this House should appeal to all faith communities in this country, and I do want to see a stronger interfaith dialogue where people find the common ground that exists between the different religions and between the different communities of our country. There are more than 200 interfaith groups uh, throughout our country. I would like us to be in a position to finance the development and help the development of interfaith groups in every community of this country, and I agree with him that that would make a huge difference uh, to how community relations can proceed. Uh, I hope to be able to talk to other party leaders about how we can move this forward. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Prime Minister is a Scot who has made it clear that he cherishes our shared Britishness. As an Ulster man, I too value that Britishness. What plans does he have to ensure that people in each part of the United Kingdom can see the enduring benefit of building again a great nation that prevails over terror and adversity, whether domestic or international. I'm grateful for his words across this House about the unity of the United Kingdom. And I hope that the work that we started yesterday for a statement of rights and responsibilities in our country will yield fruit. And I hope all parties in this House will join in that work. And I hope that as a result of that work and the hearings that will be held by the Secretary of Justice, we will see how the United Kingdom can move closer together. Rosie Cooper. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My right honourable friend has spoken often of his commitment to improving patients' access to NHS services. Could I ask him whether he has any further information on plans to develop services on the Ormskirk site of the Southport and Ormskirk Hospital with special regard to the urgent care centre, recognising the benefit of providing the right local services in local settings. I appreciate the work that my honourable friend does as a local member of parliament to push for an improvement of health services in her area. There will be a statement in a few minutes from the Secretary for Health and he will be outlining our government's plans to improve uh, primary care services, to improve personal care services in hospitals, to improve investment in future health care and in the treatment of diseases, uh, and to make sure that the health service in this country is best for cure and best for care for all people of the country. James Gray. Um, Mr. Speaker, as a Scot and like the Prime Minister, as son of the Mans, I was concerned by the reply you gave a moment ago to my honourable friend, the member for Reading East. The Secretary of State for Defence has fully employed in Iraq, Afghanistan, more troops deployed than any time since the Second World War. Given that's the case, how much time is he going to be, devote, be able to devote to his duties in Scotland? The, sec the, the, sec the Secretary of State for Scotland, as you know, does not have legislation to bring before this House in normal circumstances. He is, he is, a, minister, he is a Minister of State that will be carrying out on a full-time basis the day-to-day -day duties. I think he would agree with uh, me. Uh, that the Secretary of State for Defence is doing an excellent job. Uh, I think he would also agree to me that, with me that the relationships 
between the Secretary of State and all the different uh, forces, the Army, the Air Force and the Navy are very good indeed. And I hope again that the whole House will support the Defence Secretary in the work he is now doing. Seven of our brave soldiers died in the first five years we've been in Afghanistan, mostly as a result of accidents. But in the past 14 months, 56 soldiers have lost their lives. There's been little progress on reconstruction and no progress on drug eradication. Isn't it time to look again at the purpose of the mission in Helmand province? I've visited uh, Afghanistan myself. I've talked uh, to the troops who are extremely brave uh, people who are doing an excellent job on behalf not just of this country but on behalf of a combined NATO exercise that involves more than 30 countries in putting troops and support on the ground in Afghanistan. And I think this House has got to remember that Afghanistan is the front line against the Taliban. And if we allow Afghanistan to become a weaker country again, then the Taliban will be back in a way that we saw uh, before the events of September the 11th. Uh, I've got nothing but praise for our brave troops. I know that there have been uh, casualties, and I'm sorry that uh, a number of people have lost their lives only in the last uh, week. But I have to tell them that there is immense international support, both within NATO and outside NATO, for continuing this fight. And the way it's going to be fought is on three levels. First of all, to improve the security in Afghanistan. Secondly, to make sure that there's political reconciliation. And thirdly, as he rightly says, we've got to give people a stake in the future of Afghanistan. And that is why we're discussing as a matter of urgency economic measures that can help the Afghan people. Anne McIntosh. Sending our sympathies to all those who have been flooded uh, across the country, but particularly in Yorkshire. Uh, I understand that a number of flood defence schemes which would have gone ahead were cut owing to the single farm payment disaster and the Environment Agency budget being cut. Uh, these include defences which would have helped Sheffield and Doncaster. Is he also aware that his government for the first time is introducing a financial assistance scheme to help business communities, which I'm sure is most welcome, but will he ensure that North Yorkshire businesses qualify as well as South Yorkshire businesses? Uh, I'm grateful to the Honourable Member for, for raising the, the, the question of floods, and the, lo the loss of life is something that is to be regretted. At the same time, uh, those people who have been moved from their homes and who are homeless as a result, we'll do everything we can to support them. I've telephoned the leaders of the local councils in the areas and said that we will do what we can to give them support. I must correct her on the issue of uh, the prevention against floods and coastal defences. The budget for that will be rising over the course of the next few years. So, oh yes, the, bu the, budget, the budget will be rising from 600 million a year to 800 million a year over the course of the next few years so that we can have in place proper flood defences in our country. Guardian Unlimited.